0: Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAP Podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins and Asai Calderon-Muñiz. Phil, we made it. Happy <laughs> 100.
1: We, we just got to probably one of the biggest milestones um, that I feel like we could get to on a project like this so you already gave it away this is our 100th episode in case the title didn't give it away as well we are super 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 excited um i don't know about you but it doesn't feel like it's been a hundred episodes we we do this on such a regular basis that it feels like part of life at this <laughs> point and part of just what we do here um and kind of looking back it's it's just wild and I hope that this podcast has been as fantastic and fun for our listeners as it has been for us, because this has just been a really great experience. And I hope that we get to have a lot more episodes like this one.
0: Yeah, I do. Um, just I was just looking at the stats of it. I think um, by the time this goes out, we will have just crossed 160,000 uh, episodes plays and each one's about an hour so about 160,000 hours give or take <laughs> um which is which is huge of, yeah. of people listening and so i want to thank everyone um for for listening because we really appreciate it we wouldn't be doing it if it weren't for you guys exactly and i think that's also like
1: our listeners aren't just the reason we do this they are they are this i think yeah. because it's it's not just oh we want to do things for med students it's what do you guys want right and what are you responding to and what interests you and so even though it may not always feel like it you guys are actually the ones that run the show Um, and today we wanted to celebrate that we wanted to celebrate knowing what you guys wanted to know and be able to answer your questions and so we've been asking you guys to submit questions to submit topic ideas and we've got some really great questions. I was reading them. I know we were reading them together and we were really excited for a ton of these. We won't, of course, have the opportunity to answer all of them, but we are going to tuck some in our back pocket because they just really are fantastic. And I think it's not just, what's really great is that you guys ask questions and they're not just you, they're There are a lot of people. And so I think that they're representative of even people who didn't submit questions, probably have these questions as well, which is really exciting. Um, So thank you guys for being a part of the Jack Weston family and being a part of the Jack Weston MCAT podcast family
0: specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, excited. It was funny when Azai and I were going through these, we kept saying, like, oh, this, we could talk for a whole episode on this topic. Like, this is such a good question. Um, so we are going to go through a couple of questions. And um, one of the questions, the first one that we have, um, a student submitted, since it's the 100th episode, I think it would be really cool to hear something quick about how it all started and what brought you here. So I don't know <laughs> if I we can do the quick portion of that, but, <laughs> um, you know, this is something... Uh, as I and I were actually just talking about this, that we um, did the math and we've been working together for five years at this point. Um, and we're also talking about how weird it is that we've never actually been in the same room somehow um, because we just interact digitally um, kind of all the time. Um, we, we're uh, we we're trying to plan some way for us <laughs> yeah. to kind of get together, um, but it's strange that I feel like one of my closest coworkers and friends, like we like i haven't actually seen in person Mm -hmm. um but you know kind of like turning back like how it all started so as i and i actually worked together at a different company um and i was doing some like sessions and like talking with students and then as i came on and we kind of i feel like immediately kind of clicked and then um a little bit later um i ended up moving here to jack weston um, and then, you know, loving the environment and like, there's so much to do. And so when I came here, there was like Jack Weston just did the cars section. And so kind of building this whole thing kind of from scratch where now we're doing kind of a complete MCAT course and and we're covering the sciences and putting all of that together. Um, I pretty much immediately talked to Jack. And I'm like, we need to get Azai over here. <laughs> like of all the people I've worked with, like Azai, I want to work with Azai more. Um, and so... I don't know if you have some stuff that you want to kind of chime in on that, but that was just like, okay, we need to pull a eye over into this area.
1: It's funny. I was, I was thinking of like just hanging up my hat. Um, and, you know, I was like, okay, med school, teaching, you know, how does, how does this, how would this all fit into, you know, the next couple of years? Um, and I when we had worked together for so long, and it's it's kind of funny, I don't know if you remember this, you kind of took me under your wing with the sciences, so to speak, when when I started off. Um, and so coming here and, you know, it was, it was like, okay, if I move, it needs to be for a good reason, right? And it needs to be, I need to believe in what I'm going to be a part of, right? I need to make sure that students are first, that it aligns with kind of my values, my passions, um, and I ultimately found that here. And I'm I don't know if I've ever said this, but thank you for reaching out and <laughs> thank you for for thinking of me in that moment, um, because it's been a really great experience. And you already know this, but I really enjoy working together. Yeah. Um, and we have just such an amazing team at Jack Weston as well, that getting to meet all of these fantastic, you know, people and who who really care about their students is is just really great. I That's really enjoy it. it's I say this and everyone looks at me a little weird because why are you a med student and, you know, working? Um, but it's like a little piece, like a little carved out piece for for me and like peace as in P-E-A-C-E. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah.
0: Uh, I, yeah, I like I like that you mentioned, you know, like needing a reason to move beyond just like a financial thing or things like that. Because that was actually so before I kind of came here, I'd kind of gotten to the point where I'm like, listen, Like, I'm just gonna be like, I was kind of frustrated with the MCAT prep industry. And so I was to the point of like, listen, I'll just, I like talking to students. I'll tutor students. I'll do live sessions, but don't ask me to develop anything. Don't ask me to build any more because it kind of hurt and... Like it hurt to be like, oh, let's build this so that we can squeeze as much as we can out of students. And when we're building it, let's not think about what's the most useful thing. Let's think about what's the most profitable thing and what's the least amount of work that we can put in to get the most amount of money. And I hated it. Yeah. And so moving to Jack Weston, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, no, like what's whatever is useful for students, that's what we need to do to the point where. We spend a lot of stuff doing things that we just give away for free, like the dailies and the Chrome extension yeah. and all those things. And like that immediately went, yes, I want to build stuff here where I had built stuff at other places. And I'm just like, OK, like I kind of don't like how this turned out because of cutting corners and and trying to deceive or take advantage of students. And this is something that just like, yeah, like I'm, I'm glad I'm here as well. And <laughs> just kind of like falling into that position. So I think that maybe answers your question, but I don't know if you have something else as I. Yeah. Well, so
1: I would just, as we were talking, I remembered that my first formal project was actually working on a free resource. And so that's kind of when I knew that things were different here. Yeah. Um. But I, when I read this question, I read it as like what brought us to the podcast ah. and what got us started on the podcast. Um. And I think it was just, It it kind of comes back to the same thing, though. It was really about, okay, what what's something new that students would use and what's a way to um, support all students on on their MCAT journey? And so even though I took the question a little bit differently, I feel like the answer is still pretty much the same, Um, because like we said, kind of in the intro, you guys are the reason and you guys are the podcast. And so that is kind of what what brought us here to to this and then just figuring out, okay, what do we want to cover in the podcast, right? Do we want to just do content? Do we want to throw in some strategy? Do we want to, you know, just kind of do MCAT adjacent med school? And we figured all of it has the potential to be useful and impactful. And so we we landed on the MCAT podcast, but as you see in our little uh, little blurb, it's Different. more than just, than just the MCAT. It's really about how do we get you to med school and how do you make that transition easier?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That kind of goes into that. Like the reason I love being here is like, what's something useful that we can do for students? And this is like one of the best examples of that. And it's free. And like, it's just something exactly. that we kind of put out <laughs> for students.
1: So, so that was an unintentional yeah. transition, but it was a good one. Um, so the next question was, what were the few first few weeks of med school like? And I did, <laughs> I know that we had very different experiences, Phil. Yeah. Um, so I... I never thought I was going to land in Boston. I will be very upfront about that. And then here I am. Um, And when I moved, I'd had experience moving out of state. um, So that was not the biggest shock factor. I think that is something that plays a role for a lot of people when they do go to med school if they haven't, you know, lived um, very far from home before. For me, it was seeing a lot of people that I had met at Revisit. So when you get into uh, med school and you're deciding between the different schools, you have the opportunity, at least then in person, I think now some are doing a bit of both, um, where you have the opportunity to go back, meet the people who got accepted, who are also considering going to that school. And at ReVisit, I had basically met the people that are a big part of the reason why I'm in at at HMS right now. Um, And just seeing them was really great. Um, That said, once we kind of, you know, got into the actual content and the, the actual material, it was it had gotten tougher because all of a sudden it was like a ton of material to, to keep track of, and I was not as organized as I perhaps am now. Um, yeah. And so at first there were a lot of uh, late nights, but also I very quickly found, eh, fairly quickly, um, found a place where I liked social dancing. Mm-hmm. And so I would go Monday nights. Um, and yes, I would be there dancing until 1 or 2 a.m. salsa Bachata and then come to class the next day uh, and on the weekends. And I think what was really good was finding other people that had similar interests or just really great people to talk to in the med school class. Um, that first semester, you know, we had we like organized and we had, you um, some people we all like practiced the dancing and then we would go out together. There were times that we would, you know eat together. there was a painting night that we did. Uh, and I think a lot of those small things added up. That's not to say that there was no stress. Um, um, Phil you I don't know if you actually remember this, but I cut off basically all of my hair on um, <laughs> I think it was the end of October, the beginning of November, my first year. I just I was stressed. I took a pair of scissors. And I think there is an old picture when when we worked at the old test prep company um with like my hair is just tiny because yeah. I stress cut it all off. I stress gave myself a few piercings that I now have. Um uh, I don't regret any of it. Yeah. But it it was it was a bit of a roller coaster, probably not as wild as yours though.
0: Yeah. I, I know you say that, but like in the other hand, I'm like, nah, like that's it, it's just a very different thing. I yeah, I do wanna just echo what you're saying, like the the friends I made in med school are some of the best and closest friends that I have today, even though it's been over a decade. Um, I still meet and talk with these people um, on like a weekly basis, just because it's really awesome to get to know people that have like similar, I don't want to say backgrounds, but like similar values where they're like yeah. really focused on certain things. Um, but I, I also think it's funny you talked about like, you know, seeing people that you knew again when you got to med school. Um, I had some similar things. Most of you guys know I went MD PhD. So I applied to a lot of places when I went to a, was applying for med school because most schools had like one or two seats open um for MD PhDs. And so instead of like, oh, this this med school class of 150, like they've only really got one seat for an MD PhD student. And so it got really competitive. And so I was applying to pretty much every single school. I know I applied to like 30 some schools um, for for med school, which is not something I recommend most people do. Um, That's something that's just kind of a weird thing with this MD, PhD side of things. But um, I met a lot of people kind of like throughout this when I was interviewing at all the different schools. Um, And I specifically remember um, I was at uh, a med school interview And um, I think it was like KU maybe, Um, or it might've been WashU, I think it was in Missouri. Um, And I remember like going during the interview and getting like a plate of, they had like, you know, lunch is provided. And so I got like a bunch of stuff and I'm like walking through there and trying to make like small talk with people around me. And I'm like, I get to this thing and I'm like, oh, this like this, this, bowl of fruit is pretty much all honeydew and i'm like oh, honeydew's the worst right like it's only there because they need something green and it's the stupidest fruit and it shouldn't exist and then i look over next to me and this there's this girl who has a plate that's just all honeydew on her plate, and i remember being like oh uh ooh, never mind uh and then just <laughs> like oh that is sorry like honeydew is fine um <laughs> And then when I got into med school, the place that I went, like the very first day I walk in and that girl's there. And she was the one of the other MD-PhDs at that school. Um, and so we had both met at this other place. And now we're like best friends. And like she is very awesome. She was doing her MD-PhD in mathematics. And so Definitely. her PhD work was on like mathematical models of like how macrophages move and stuff. It's super interesting. Um, oh. but. I think that's, that's like just the people you meet. Um, that's just something that kind of comes to mind of like seeing people again of like, I remember that first day I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, but I also did some different things because I was doing MD PhD. I knew that I was going to be in med school for like seven, eight years, maybe nine. If the PhD doesn't go as smoothly as I wanted it to. And so in my mind, it made sense, like, okay, let's buy a house in this case. Um, and I want to be clear. This was during like the 2008, like recession stuff. And so houses were very cheap. Um, And so I remember like looking at houses online and I'm like, oh, there's a house here that's two bedrooms. Here's another one that's three bedrooms. Here's another one that's two bedrooms. Here's one that's seven bedrooms. That's the same price. I want to go look at that one. And so I did and I went and I ended up buying this house that was like a giant seven bedroom monstrosity that was falling apart. Um, it was like, there was like bathrooms that didn't work at all. And there was, um, like holes in walls and like every time it rained, the basement flooded and it was just kind of a crazy, um, little bit like scenario, just dealing with that. Um, but I got a bunch of friends who were med students and I'm like, Hey, listen, you can live here for real cheap. it will be like $300 a month. And like, you know room and board and we'll cook together and do stuff and and it was really fun. But um there were a lot of like nightmare stuff with that house because I the very first day of med school, and this is why I bring this up, the very first day of med school, the night before, there was a storm. It was a pretty loud storm. And I remember there being a loud crash at one point in the night and I looked out the window and like the neighbor's tree was down, like in the yard and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, and then in the morning I went downstairs and evidently the tree had split and part of the tree was now in my living room and it was poking through the roof into the floor and there's a giant puddle and there's leaves all over and there's a hole in my, in my roof. And I remember like, oh, med school starts in 20 minutes. Um, all right, I'll deal with this later. And I just like went to school (laughs) and I went to class and in the back of my mind, the whole time I'm like, man, my house is caving in as we speak. Um, and that was just kind of a, a weird start to med school. So this question about what was the first two weeks of med school? Like there's a lot of added stress with, with things outside of that. I do encourage, even if you're going MD, PhD, don't buy a house immediately. Like take like that transition to med school is something that Whatever you can do to simplify your life during that time will make that transition easier. Um, And I think that that's something that students should take into account if they can.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I think is also worth noting, some schools will have dorms. And as someone who lived in a dorm in undergrad, I wasn't thrilled about the idea of, you know, living in a dorm again. Um, but it actually ended up being a really great decision first year because I was across the street from the med school, which is super nice, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, But also you just get to meet other people in your class. And so if you're someone like me where it's a very high activation energy to go out and like meet new people, um, it can be a really great way to kind of be in that scenario where you're organically meeting new people and they're people that you're going to be seeing, you know, at least for the next year and a half, two years on a regular basis. And so that can also be a way to simplify that transition for folks that maybe, even if you're not doing an MVPHd, phd um, it might be something that's worth considering because you can always move out, right, the
0: next yeah. the next year and find roommates. And that's what I think most people do. Um, but yeah, yeah. something to think about. That's, and I think you and I had a very similar thing where my um, method of dealing with things my default was okay like school's getting overwhelming i'm gonna start to seclude and just kind of wall myself (laughs) off and like i'm just gonna work on this real hard nobody distract me i don't need friends i don't need things i like just let me work right um and that's not super healthy one (laughs) um and i recognize that about myself But that's also why I think I really liked living in that house with multiple medical students or pre-med students because it forced me to like start to talk and communicate. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, the stuff I'm struggling with, everyone's struggling with. And like if somebody figures out a good way to deal with this and talks to me about it, like all of a sudden I can deal with things better. And so kind of going in with kind of this team mentality um, and, and developing that, this is something that everyone, it's very overwhelming. Med school, just like you said, the problem is volume. The problem is not that one idea is too complex to wrap your head around. It's not complexity that's the issue, it's the volume. Um, and so I think that that's something to be aware of. I also will say that the first few weeks of med school, um, <laughs> I think it was like the first two months, I took a nap every day And I know most people hear that and they're thinking like, oh, man, it's so easy that you just like took a nap and like every day. I'm like, no, by about like three o'clock, I could not think anymore. My brain was melted. And like I am literally like I'm having trouble speaking to people because my brain can't find the words. Um, And this is something that just that there was a little bit of exhaustion was just kind of dealing with the volume. And so. Um, that's that's one way that I would deal with that is like I'm um, okay, I just need a like 20 minute nap, like power nap, and reset my brain. Um <laughs> and that's something um that I did every day. And it's just because it was very overwhelming and I just needed a moment to kind of shut down and then restart um and reapproach things. And that's um that was something kind of as well for those first few weeks. I will say my med school also started with anatomy and physiology. I think most med schools do, um, where you have to figure out how the body's supposed to work before you figure out how things break down. I know that there are schools that do some alterations to that, where they kind of go in and like, let's just focus on this organ system and everything, like how it works, but how everything can go wrong. And regardless, um, I hadn't taken anatomy or physiology in undergrad. And I remember being really overwhelmed um with just like, there's a lot of vocabulary, right? Like our professor was using terms like caudal and like that was his instructions was to like make a lateral incision, caudal to T4. And I'm like, I don't know what that means, <laughs> right? Like, Like, I can't even follow the directions here. And so sometimes it felt like when I was taking anatomy and physiology, because I wasn't familiar with the language and I wasn't familiar with that. So I was taking a class that I didn't know the content, but it was almost like I was taking it in a foreign language as well. And so imagine like moving to Greece and taking calculus if you don't speak Greece or Greek. Um, and so that's yeah. that's kind of what it felt like a little bit. And so that's one of the reasons that I encourage students to like take anatomy, and physiology in undergrad if they have an opportunity to, because um, that was just this like giant, overwhelming wave of content where it's like, oh, okay, there's 27 muscles in the forearm. You need to memorize all of those this morning. As well as what blood vessels oxygenate which ones and which nerves innervate which ones, and you have to do that in the next like three hours because after that we have embryology and then biochemistry, and it's like just this volume of stuff that was was a struggle to deal with.
1: Yeah, and I know on other podcasts we've talked about like how we addressed that um, and kind of how we made that transition easier. But I know we've we've kind of our our first question was about. Um, or at least after our 100th episode one, our first one was about the med school experience, but I know we have some about getting into medical school and some of the the app process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how to deal with, we had a student ask how to deal with secondaries and the stress of it, um, how to be organized and how to prep for interviews, when to start prepping for interviews. Those um, those like a couple of different questions that we kind of all combined into one. Um, and I'm gonna say now that I did I think I did really well with the application process up until secondaries. And then my problem is the same one that this student is having where um how to deal with secondaries and the stress of it, um how to prep for interviews, like what's going on with interviews. And so I've already kind of shared, I applied to a ton of schools. And so i had a ton of interviews and like i remember getting all of my secondary requests back at like the same time and so all of a sudden like over the course of like 10 days i had like 30 schools asking me for secondaries like and, and like some they all wanted different things like so one school wants a three-page essay one school wants 16 half-page essays and so like all of a sudden over the course of like 10 days, I'd got an assignment to write like 120 different essays um, and just kind of like explanations and things like that. And I was not organized on that. And I didn't start prepping my secondaries until I got those secondary requests back. And that was, I think, that's going to be one of my biggest pieces of advice is the moment you, like once summer hits, you should start thinking about your secondaries. And I know that there are lots of different places where you can figure out kind of what have schools asked for in secondaries recently. But even beyond that, just like, if you just sit down and wrote like, what are some big problems I've overcome? What are some places where my ethics have been challenged in some place? What are some places where um, uh, I've grown? What are some places and just like write and just like get enough of that stuff kind of there so that when those questions come in, you kind of have like a polished version of something that you can massage into fitting this question. Um, once again, my scenario might be a little bit different because I applied to so many schools, but as a result of like not prepping for that, like my, those secondary requests came in about the same time as my senior year was starting. And so all of a sudden I have like a full course load and I have 120 essays that I need to write over the next month and a half. And I was on the deadline for pretty much everything with that because I wasn't prepared. And so I'm like, oh, this essay is due Tuesday night by like midnight. And then I have four more due Wednesday night and then six more due Friday night. And so like I was writing each of the essays the day that I was submitting them and it was not, I think that made things harder. I got fewer interviews, I know, than I probably should have gotten if I had handled that secondary process a little more efficiently. And because I was on the deadline for all of my secondaries, I was like putting, sending in my secondaries later than everyone else. And so when schools get your secondary and they read them like, yeah, we're interested, they'll ask for an interview. And so because I was so late on my secondaries, they had already interviewed a lot of people. And so whenever I got my interview, all of a sudden, I remember interviewing at a school and they're like, yeah, we've already accepted 80% of the med school class. And I'm like, oh, I'm just now interviewing. And like only 20% of the med school class is open at this point. Um, and so being really late and not organized, I think was a big problem. I think students tend to get like tunnel vision like, I just need to worry about the MCAT. Or after that, I just need to worry about personal statements. And then eventually you hit a point where it's like, okay, like you should have been thinking about this a little bit earlier. Um, So I encourage you at the very start of the summer, you should be thinking and working on secondaries.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great and important piece of advice. Um, In my case, I applied to fewer schools. And I was in a program at the time that I was receiving my secondaries. Um, and I think having that accountability, knowing that other people were also receiving their secondaries and in the process of working on them was actually really helpful for me. So I think I've mentioned this before. And I know, Phil, you you know this and can appreciate how despite this part of my personality, I'm very much an introvert. <laughs> um, and so I need a lot of like downtime and recharging. Um, But that social accountability was, I think, super helpful. And then something that that was suggested to me that I started doing and could have done better, but I think is still important, and you touched on this, is get an idea of what the schools have been asking recently. And that's not that hard to do right? You probably know people who are a year ahead of you um, and who have gone through this process. Um, You probably can just do a quick search online. A lot of things come up. People often share their experience. And the thing is, a lot of med schools have very similar secondaries. And so you can take a piece and adapt it to what, you know, might be a little different from one school to the next, recognizing that, yes, you're going to have a lot on your hands. The more schools you apply to, the more proactive you should be about this because the last thing you want to do is be in a situation where you're basically burning out as you're writing, right? Yeah. Because that's a tough situation to be in. If you're spending, you know, 12 hours of your day on your summer break writing secondaries, the the ones that you start the day with versus the ones that you end the day with are going to be very different in quality, right? And so doing a little bit at a time, I found was more helpful. Yes, when I actually got them, I had to make adjustments and, you know, I had I hadn't like written them all out, but I kind of had topics in mind for questions that did end up coming up in the secondaries. And I think that made the process easier. I still had plenty of things, you know, going on at the time. Um, But if if I had been in a situation where I kind of like had as many as you and hadn't, you know, been looking, I personally would have been overwhelmed and probably have shut down. On yeah. some of those and probably not have finished applying out of the sheer just like the amount of time that it would have taken because that's something else to keep in mind if you are on summer break and have all the time right versus if you're doing another program or you know you're taking summer classes or something like that you've got to really take that into into consideration if you're working um and so don't take those things lightly but still make sure that you're enjoying your summer I think that's the other thing. It's really easy to get tunnel vision. You just be like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And then life is passing you by and you're not actually enjoying it. And yeah. that's... It's it's weird to say that because I'm someone that has done that. Um, and yeah. also recognize that like, bolt, no, I need to do this. You don't understand. And it's like, well, yes, you need to do it. But those enjoying where you're at is incredibly important. Because if you wait, if you tell yourself, I'll be happy when... I get into the undergrad that I want to get into. I'll be happy when I graduate. I'll be happy when I get the MCAT score. I'll be happy when I submit my primary. When I submit my secondaries. When I interview. When I get accepted to med school. When I, you know, get into residency. The goalpost will keep changing. Yeah. And so you have to. You have like we. I say I'm going to say we because I'm still working on this. We have to switch our mindset. Um, and so when we're talking about all of these things and, you know, thinking ahead of time, what you might want to include in your secondary or some potential topics, it does not mean let it take over your life or have it take over your life. It means give it some space, give it some time and give it some thought.
0: Yeah. And I think that you and I are very similar in some ways with that. I know my tendency is to go really, really hard at times and then be like, okay, like, I just want to put, and so a lot of what I do and have done in the past is not necessarily sustainable, where I'm like, I'm pushing real hard and I'll deal with the stuff a little bit later. And that kind of works when the projects and things are smaller, when it's like, oh, I have a biochem test, which don't get me wrong, that's still a complicated thing to prepare for. But- like, that's something that, like, you can push really hard for, a w- like, a week. Um, yeah. And that's that's fine and that works. But when, like, projects start getting bigger, and I mean this not just, and to be honest, like, this is something I'm still working on, <laughs> um, where it's not just, like, applying to med school, what's going on in med school, but also here at Jack Weston, we're trying to build some really cool things here behind the scenes, and there's some stuff coming out in the future that I think will will blow students away. Um, but like, I find myself being like, oh, I'm just going to push real hard. And this is something that like, I'll work like 60, 70 hours a week trying to make stuff happen. Um, and I'll just be like, oh, I'll take a break sometime in the future. But what you're talking about is like when you have things that are really big. So rather than saying like, I'm going to hold off on my secondaries and then I'm going to spend three weeks or a month just like ranking these things out, not talking to friends and just working on that. That's not healthy yeah. and you will do a worse job than it, if you say like, "Oh, I'm going to work on this for 3 months, but I'm going to just like I'm going to have enough free time to not be burnt out and to not be kind of going through that." And so that necessitates that you have to be aware and thinking ahead more. You have to be a little bit more organized and I I'm not great at that which i think is why i end up with this kind of sprinting men- mentality where i'm, like, I'm going to go real hard real fast and short bursts and you need to be able to kind of like look more long term and so planning is important and if you're someone like me like that can be a little bit hard to kind of think like six months or a year in advance but i think that that makes things a lot easier especially when i don't know why i didn't consider it but like i'm going like I have, like, 120 essays due over the course of a month on top of school. And then I have interviews where I'm going to be out of town. And, like, most MD-PhD interviews were, like, two days interviews. And so all of a sudden, like, two days of every single week for, like, three months, I'm like, okay, I just, like, can't be in class. And, like, I was not prepared for that especially when those started to overlap with i need to be writing essays and like if i had started earlier and thought ahead more that would have made things much much easier um i do want to throw a quick plug to the admissions department at jack weston like that their whole thing is to help students be organized and think ahead and prepare for things um and i think that that's that's big um there's also the interview stuff which i do want to talk about but Um, I feel like I've been talking. This is so interesting (laughs) that like there's there's some things that I really did wrong and I don't want you guys to do those things. And so that's why I'm so like passionate and engaged in this.
1: Yeah, no, I think the the points that you've made, right, are I'm you know that I'm in agreement with them. Um, I think finding a way if you haven't already and if you're not someone that is much of a planner or um, not as organized as you'd like to be, now is the time to start figuring that out. Because it takes time to find a planning and an organization style that works for you, and so if you don't already have one, start playing around with some ideas because it will make your life easier in the <laughs> long run. Um, but yeah, with interviews, it's interviews. You've you've got to start mentally prepping for them. I would say as soon as your secondaries go out, because you get if not earlier, actually much earlier. Um, but when I when I say that, like when you get your secondaries, you start seeing personalities from the school right? Uh-huh. And so what's on their website, right? And their mission statement might be different than actual practice. Uh-huh. And so you can start getting a field for how is this school different than this other school as you're reading the secondaries that have gone out to students, right? That have yeah. gone out to you guys. Um, and that, that factors into the interview process as well, right? Because you want to be yourself. You also want to make sure that you are showing why you would be a good fit for that school. Uh-huh. And so- I would say as soon as you start seeing that you should already be thinking okay what what is the school looking for what am I looking for how do those two things intersect on a more practical
0: level now that I have more information about the school itself yeah that's a really big deal and I just want to emphasize this right like you need to know what is it that the school cares about yep. and that's in the interview that is more important than yeah. like anything else right um i like to use this this analogy of like i i, I don't want to be misleading right and so this analogy i feel like kind of is a little bit tricky uh, i'm with like potentially being misleading but l- let me explain my <laughs> analogy first before yeah. <laughs> before i i confuse people any further um let's imagine that you're in a scenario where you need a job to survive right like you have kids and like we are starving. Like, we need to get this job. And you go to a job interview and they ask you, okay, like in the interview, they ask you, okay, so if somebody asked you to do something that you thought might be kind of shady at work, what would you, how would you respond to that? Right. And I know most of you guys are thinking like, oh, like, no, like, you just don't do things that are shady, um, things that like, might be kind of quasi legal. Right. But like if imagine you're in a scenario where somebody's life depends on you getting this job, right? Like my kids are going to die from starvation if I don't get this job. The right answer to that question depends on what is it that the question asker is trying to figure out, right? Are the, Is this company kind of shady and they're trying to figure out like, oh, will you go along with this? Like, where are you going to rat us out? Right? Because that the right answer to get the job in that scenario is different than if... Like they're they're trying to figure out like we want to make sure that people are morally upstanding and like so the correct answer is not dependent on that question if your job is or goal is to get in the correct answer is like what are they trying to test right what are they what are they trying to figure out and so I I, I want to be clear I don't think like this that's why I said like this analogy is not perfect and it's a little misleading because I don't think med schools are trying to be shady and trying <laughs> to see who's going to go along with this. But some med schools care much more about research. Some med schools care much more about community. Some med schools yeah. care much more about the academic like side of things. And so you can figure out some of the things that like, what are the med schools interested in by looking at what are their secondaries asking and th- and like what are the things that they're focusing on? And so a little bit about me. So as I was applying to MD, PhD programs across the U.S., um, Like my application was, I felt like in some ways stronger than some of the people I'm applying with, but in some ways weaker. My MCAT score was phenomenal, but I like did really bad in my yoga class, in my theater class that I took my freshman year. So my MCAT was kind of middle of the road. And while I had tons of research, I did not have very many publications. And so in my mind, when I'm talking to the other people I'm interviewing with, like the other people that are also interviewing for med school, all of them are talking about their their research and like how they have way more publications. I started to feel really self-conscious about that. And so all of a sudden in my secondaries, I'm trying to emphasize that like, listen, like I am very academically rigorous with research, even though I don't have many publications. And those are the things that I would like hammer on in my secondaries. But it was Like, if the question was not necessarily about that, I would somehow twist it into being about that. Um, And a part of that is I didn't have time to write new secondaries all the time. So I'm just trying to like, I have this thing written. Can I make this answer this question? But like med schools that would ask a bunch of questions about community and support and things like that. If I'm answering all of my questions about research and like, how do I, how am I helpful to my, my my community, I'm like, oh, because I'm doing a lot of research on this topic, which can really help the community, but I'm not actually like interacting with the community directly. If that's what the med school is about and I'm not answering that, then the med school is not going to be interested. And that's something that like, there is a lot of stuff that I did with community things, like mostly in education. Like I taught summer classes um, to like disadvantaged students every summer. And I was, like, an instructor, like, all throughout, like, like three years of, of school, kind of, like, working in doing, like, supplemental things and building lectures. And part of that was I love doing that, which is also why I do what I do now. But there was a lot of stuff there that, like, oh, I should have paid more attention to what it was they were asking about, yeah. and I would have been better at that. Um, and I know we talked about this when we had Nicole on um, we were talking about how different schools want different things, but like looking back, I think that's why I didn't get any interviews at any of the California schools. Cause I think that they emphasize that a lot more, but I did get interviews on at the very academically rigorous places, cause those were the things that I hammered in that application, but I kind of glazed over and glossed over anything like community based. But that was mostly because I was self-conscious about not having as many publications. And so that was more about me than it was about the med school. And so I think that's a big thing is pay attention, figure out what the med schools actually want. Yeah. Um, And that should resonate into the interviews as well. Yeah. I, I kind of pulled that back into secondaries. But practicing interviews is the most important. That's the biggest piece of advice I have. So whenever I got interviews, I ended up doing 17 interviews. Um, at 17 different schools, which once again, it's a lot and it's chaos. But I was like panicked because I'm like, oh, like this. Uh, I there's only like 150 spots total in the U.S. and I want to get into one of those spots, um, and that made things really, really difficult and a lot of pressure on that. So I'm like, I'm applying everywhere that I can. But um, there were med schools that I turned down interviews at because, like, that I would have been interested in, but just because. I didn't have the time like in my schedule and I had already agreed to interview and like they're like, oh, we can have the interview on these four dates. And I'm like, I can't do those four dates. And so like there are some med schools that like if I had finished my secondaries earlier, then I would have had more time to do interviews because um, and I could have spread it out more. And that's also another like uh, push for starting early and paying more attention to this. But I didn't practice any of my interviews either because I was so just nightmare fueled trying to get my secondaries done and then trying to keep up with my classes so I didn't so I did well that semester. Um that the first five schools I interviewed at, I didn't get into any of them. The last five schools I interviewed at, I got into all of them. Even though by that point there were less spaces available. And it's just because I got better at interviewing, because I practiced um those middle like schools were kind of like hit or miss, but like the the, the more interviews I did, the better I did. And so yeah. I would start preparing for interviews early. Practice them. Um, and don't necessarily practice them with like your mom or your friends and like people who already know you like really well. Like if you can find A teacher, or there's an academic research or resource on campus where you can go and interview with somebody who doesn't know you, Um, and you can even give them the questions and be like, "Okay, here are some questions," and like tell them like, "Hey, feel free to ask me other questions," Um, because there are some things that, like, the way you word stuff is really important, and like the idea behind it. There are times where I've had people ask me a question. And I, like, the idea was really solid, but I didn't get that idea across very clearly. Um, And so, just as an example, I remember at one point in my life, I was getting interviewed for something, and this was pre-med school. Um, But they asked me, like, what was a weakness of yours? Um, And I said, like, well, things, things come really easy to me. And I'm like, that sounds like the worst humble brag of, yeah. a, of an answer of all time. And if, if I had like thought and practiced answering this question, I know that's like the <laughs> worst answer, like going to this, but if I had thought about this and like practice and like what I really meant by this was like in, in like high school and things like that. So I have a brother who struggles academically and has some, um, developmental issues. Um, and I remember a point when I was like sitting at the table doing math homework and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is busy work. Like this is going to take me 30 minutes. I can do all of these questions. What am I, why am I wasting my time? Um, and just thinking like, oh, this is so stupid. And then my brother at the, who was also at the table was just like really, really struggling um, going through this. And, and I remember feeling like this, like oh god that's really crappy of me to be like oh this is stupid and why is this a waste of my time like i have abilities and so i should be doing what i can to help more and so i think like the the idea that i was trying to get across is like sometimes like there is a burden not a burden but uh with i don't want to go spider-man but like with great power comes great responsibility sort of things like i there are some things that i i am good at i'm good at learning stuff i'm good at explaining stuff and sometimes it's easy to take for granted that that is not always easy for other people and doing what you can to help in those scenarios is something that i think is important and i i want to work harder on that and that is a way better answer than sometimes stuff comes easy to me i'm like it's too easy and like that's like the idea there that like well, when I was trying to get across, I hadn't practiced getting that out, and I was not good at getting it out. And so, learning how to how to like think about like how am I going to phrase this? How am I going to explain this idea? Is something that um, if you don't practice doing that, even if you know like oh I want to touch on this idea, practice getting those words out because it may not come across like you like you intend it to. Um, and so, that's something to 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 think about.
1: Yeah, I would also add if you have. So you mentioned that, you know, if people have the opportunity at school to do some mock interviews. um, I would also add, see if anyone at your school can connect you with students from your school that ended up at that med school or that interviewed at that med school. Um, Because the interview process itself at the med schools that I interviewed at was very different for each, like incredibly different. you know the the mini mock versus the personality of the people interviewing at one school varied from the next. Who they had interviewing me varied from the next. I had some schools where you know it was medical faculty. I had schools where it was you know the actual med school faculty where there were med students um, interviewing. And so it's it's a, you can have a very wide range of folks and personalities and different questions. Um, And you want to make sure that you are prepared for as many of those scenarios as possible. Because if you go into a med school interview thinking, oh, the med school faculty are the ones that are going to interview me, but then the dean of students, a med student, and a clinician are the ones interviewing you, that's a very different experience. And it can be incredibly jarring. And you want to avoid anything that's super jarring on, on, not on test day, on interview day (laughs) if, if you can avoid it. Right, and so those are things to think about. I remember I had um, a student interview me, and they asked me at this point I don't remember if it was like third grade, first grade, something along those lines. And I was just like, I don't remember. <laughs> like, what, do you, what is this? Um, and I think one of the best pieces of advice that I got, if if not the best piece of advice um, from a student who you know had gone to my school and then interviewed and and was here, was you They already established that you've got the basic qualifications to go there, or they would not have given you an interview, yeah. right? Because they have, med schools have their pick of who they want to bring on. What they want to know is, are you a good fit for us, right? Who are you as a person? And so their suggestion was, remember that, you know, to be yourself, right? It sounds super cliche, but it's important. But also remember that you are interviewing the med school as much as they're interviewing you. Yes. Because you are committing to spending at least four years at this institution, letting them shape how you become and and what kind of physician you're going to be. Not specialty, but like as a as a physician in general, the way that you go about, you know, thinking and processing and um, how you practice medicine, which is the rest of your career. Uh Right. So it is just as big of an investment for you as it is for them. And you don't want to end up somewhere where you are going to be miserable and unsupported for the next at least four years of your education. You want to go somewhere where you look around and you say, "Okay, I can learn with these people. I can grow with these people. And I think I've mentioned this before, but there was a med school that I interviewed at that the moment I left interview day, I knew that I was not going there. Yeah, I was like, I saw the people that I was interviewing with. And I was like, "If, if these are the kinds of people that you're bringing on to interview and you can't screen for this, you can't screen for these like God complexes, like, you know, people who would just seem like they all they care about is numbers and not people. Um, I don't want to go here. And so when I got the acceptance to that med school, I laughed because I was like, this is the no, what you showed me was not where I want to go. And so when you go in with that confidence of, "Okay, I'm also here to figure out if you're going to be a good fit for me as much as, you know, it, it might seem like, oh, well, you know, you must be really full of yourself to, to think that's like, no, it's it's a big investment, yeah. right? And that gives you the confidence to say, yeah, this is who I am. This, I know why I would be a good fit for you, right? I've done my research. I've done my mock interviews. I've prepped for this. I know what I'm going into. So let me show you who I am and you show me who you are. Um, yeah. And it becomes kind of like a con, like a like a meta conversation, right? Yes. With With the med school.
0: Yeah, that's also something I want to inter- uh, like also emphasize with the interviews His I, I've i already shared, like I did bad at my first interviews and I did great at my later ones. And I think it's because the first interviews I was so nervous where they would ask me a question and then I would just answer the question and then I would just be done. um, And yeah. like I, my, my biggest worry was I don't want to say the wrong thing so that they will kick me out. And so my default was to just say less right like the least i can say the better right because i then i won't say something wrong and have them kind of veto yeah um but as i did more interviews i got more comfortable with it it got like honestly my later interviews were fun and i enjoyed them because i get to meet and talk with a surgeon for <laughs> like 30 minutes and i'm like oh like like you know they would ask me like what do i see as the biggest problems in medicine and i would kind of like give my answer and i'm like like do you like, what, like, what do you, like, does that make sense? Are those some of the problems that you see coming? And like, a lot of times the physician be like, well, kind of, but like, really, it's more this facet of that thing you talked about. Like, this is the stuff that I deal with on a daily basis. And it's like continually frustrating. And, and like, all of a sudden it becomes more like a conversation. And this, um, <laughs> there's this idea of, this is actually an MCAT term, reciprocal liking. When somebody likes you, you're more likely to like them, right? Like if somebody comes up and says like, uh, Phil, you're great. And I, I I, like, I love everything about what you're doing with the MCAT podcast. I'm like, oh, you have good taste and I like you as a person. <laughs> um, but this, like turning this interview into like a conversation going back and forth, like that's going to stick more in their head as like, oh, this is somebody that I would like to work with rather than, Like, I'm just super efficient and I'm just answering the questions and I just want to get out of here without offending anybody. And that is, um, that's an important balance to make. And so definitely practicing. I like what you mentioned with med schools do different things, like the multiple mini interviews. I was also in an interview where like, I have an hour with this person and we're just kind of like going back and that gives us an opportunity to go much deeper into some like philosophy almost of like what's going on in medicine. Um, and that, those are the conversations that I'm like, oh, there's, I feel like there's a lot of stuff here and it's like super interesting. And those turned into deep conversations. Um, and I think that those are the ones that really helped me more, but like practicing those, but like if the med school just does multiple, many interviews, like you kind of don't get that opportunity to go super deep. Um, or it's, it's harder. It's not that you can't, but you it's a little bit more difficult to kind of like develop that relationship. I do also want to mention, and this was some some med schools will have you in like groups or even maybe one-on-one with a medical student kind of like going between the different things. And I remember it being presented as um, like, hey, like we have the a couple of students coming in. Do you want to like guide them? Like, because The interviews are in different places on campus. And so I remember thinking, like, as a medical student who was applying or as somebody who was applying to become a medical student, I'm like, oh, like, they're just here to kind of guide me around and stuff. But then when I was in medical school, they asked me to do that. And they're like, hey, listen, if you see any, like, big red flags or things like that, like, do talk to these people. And, like, we're interested in your feedback because you're a medical student and these people will be your peers. And so if you have strong feelings, um, be aware of that. And so that's something that I think that you, like students who are applying to med school, be aware that it's not just in the like interview room that you're being interviewed. It is everywhere on campus, like the whole time you're there. Um, Now, once again, don't be super nervous because like it wasn't my job was I'm interviewing these students. But like if they say something like racist or sexist or something like that, I'm going to be like, listen, this guy or this person said this thing like i don't feel super comfortable around this person like they'd be like okay that's really good to know with like we have more than enough applicants that we think are qualified so like we probably won't pick that student and work with that student and like that's something to be aware of right and so keep in mind that um you're you're kind of being interviewed kind of throughout the process but like i said the more you do it, the more fun it gets. And I enjoyed my interview days. And I know that I'm probably giving lots of people tons of anxiety, but this is why it's important to practice because you're going to be anxious at first.
1: Yeah. And two kind of quick quick thoughts for for those of us that have struggled with imposter syndrome. Maybe you are applying somewhere and you're like, I don't know that I'm actually good enough to come here. Um, and, you know, maybe you interview at that place and you're like, I'm not 100 percent sure. Or, you know, that that was that I had that all day here, <laughs> um, then, but Phil, you were sharing how, you know, hearing other people talk on, t- on you know, during their interviews about how they had all of these publications and that, whatnot. It's really easy to end up with, you know, that kind of pang of, of imposter syndrome in the moment. Um, something that is going to sound really weird, but that I found and have found helpful across the years is have somebody sit down with you, that someone that knows you, and just walk through your strengths together. Sounds super weird. Sounds like, okay. you're just going to get full of yourself. No, when you when you've struggled with imposter syndrome, it's good to have that reminder because that's what med schools are going to ask about, right? Or that's what they're trying to figure out, Mm -hmm. right? They're trying to figure out what are your strengths as a person, right? Not just on paper, academically. And so you want to make sure that you have some responses to that as well. Um, On the flip side of that, if you are someone that is very, very confident and have all of the stats, that is fantastic. Be mindful on interview day, because there are instances where people will have all the numbers and you think that they would get into, you know, a place and then they don't get in. And it's not because of the numbers, right? It's the interview. Like you were sharing, Phil. And so in some instances that could be a lack of preparation. In other instances, you know, if you come off as cocky, that's not going to get you very far. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of be mindful of that. Um, so both ends of the the spectrum kind of have to actively work to make sure that you are presenting the best version of yourself on test day Um, because we all have good days we all have bad days but you want to make sure
0: that you are prepared to have a good day on Mm -hmm. interview day yeah so i man i feel like that's like a whole that's one of those ones that as i and i were talking about like oh we can talk about this for a full episode yeah and i'm like there's (laughs) so many great questions coming in here (laughs) But um, we do have another question here that is very, like, MCAT-focused. Yeah. Right? Um, So, without going too deep into details, um, this is a a student that kind of started off in, like, the low 480s, but they've gone up um, to the 490s. They've kind of, like, improved. Um, But they they find that they are, like, still not where they need to be, and they need to get this increase, but they find themselves kind of in this scenario where they're like, they're averaging, like, like the trajectory they've been having is not gonna get them to their goal in time for what they're looking for. And they have been improving, but, um, how to essentially kind of supercharge that. Like, how can I, I make this work better? Um, this, this is a big question. And this is a very, very hard question to answer for this specific student because yeah. students are different right and this is something that like that question of like how do i get the most score increase in the shortest amount of time that's a question that literally every single student should be asking themselves this right <laughs> this should be a, a thing that you should be asking and this this spills into med school as well as like with med school being so difficult because of the volume you have to learn to prioritize the highest yield or the things that your weakest end and like warning to kind of prioritize and figure out where the issue is. But, um, going back to this student, like this student says they have like about two months before their actual test and they need to kind of get this increase. (sighs) My first gut like instinct here is I need to talk to the student more in depth. I need to figure out what's going on here because There are some students that their problem is content stuff. There's some problems or some students where their problem is timing and endurance or data interpretation. Um, There are some students that it's like some conjunction of the two. And like, even when it's content areas, it's not just like, oh, content is the problem. It's like what content areas are problematic. Um, But even then, like, even if you're like, okay, I'm pretty bad at biochem and I'm pretty bad at physics right? Like those are the two and two topics I'm really struggling with. Biochem is way higher yield. And so all of a sudden you have to factor in not just like your strengths and weaknesses, but also high yield, low yield and and factor all these things together. And I don't want to tell students that you have to get a tutor, but this is exactly the scenario that a tutor is really useful for because... This, like, I, I wish that I could say, do this thing and your score will increase. And to be honest, I know that's what a lot of students want to hear. That's also why, um, like, it can be dangerous to go on Reddit or different places and different, you know, places where they're talking about MCAT stuff. Because you'll have somebody say, like, oh, I just did this and this was my score. And so everyone thinks, like, oh, I just need to do that and then that'll be my score. But it's not as formulaic as this. I'm, like, thinking about this this student, I think that... um There could be issues with like timing or reading strategies because that can kind of affect you across the board. The student has been studying for a while. Um, And so that makes me think that like, okay, they've had time to kind of work on content. And so that may be a thing. But there's also this idea of like functional fixedness Mm -hmm. where a lot of students, like they've been tested in this one way. And so, they think that that's the only way they're going to get tested on this topic. And so, they kind of don't learn to think laterally and like, oh, is there another way to solve this or another way to solve this? And learning to be a little bit more mentally flexible where like, oh, they can test this topic in a bunch of weird ways. And so, being able to recognize like, oh, this is this topic, I've never seen them talk about this in this way. but. Like, well, if this is true, then like C and D don't make any sense. And so it's A or B at this point. And like notice, like kind of taking a second, like they're asking me, for example, about like what happens when I mix these chemicals together. And I think a lot of students, especially based in undergrad, think that I need to have this reaction memorized. But like really, no, it's like note that C and D aren't balanced equation and B has a carbon that has five bonds to it. And so that's not true. So the answer is A. And like, To be honest you don't even need to read the question there to know the answer is a because c and d are not balanced and b has five bonds to a carbon and so those are just out and so even without reading the question or reading the passage you could still get the right answer there and i think a lot of times students aren't looking for those little side things because that's not what they're they're used to and that's not how they're usually tested especially in undergrad organic chemistry and so learning to be a little bit more flexible and learning to, like that can also lead to some big score increases in shorter amounts of time. But that, that's changing the way that you think, and that's hard to do. But once again, that might not be the student's problem. It might just be timing, right? Or it might just be data interpretation, or it might be reading skills. Um, it also could be, like if it's like a really severe timing thing maybe it makes sense to try to get accommodations. Like I've had a lot of students that have gotten accommodations on the MCAT. It's not easy, but it's definitely possible. Um, and that is something like if you find you, if that's the problem, like maybe there's an undiagnosed thing going on here that, um, addressing that is actually the best way to increase your score. So this is something that I feel like a student needs to talk to somebody, um, and figure out what's going on with that student personally.
1: Yeah, I think that's all really important and fantastic. And I know we had a conversation about this where this is the kind of thing we could talk about for an entire episode, because like you said, this is something that everyone should be asking themselves. Right. But at the same time, in this particular instance, having a conversation with with someone and being able to sit down with someone and say, "Okay, this is what's going on where, you know, help me pinpoint where I'm what I need to work on um, becomes really important we you know there's there's this intersection with the MCAT, and let me put this down um there's this intersection with you know content and reasoning but layering is also what can make it really tricky to figure out where what you might need to work on because you might think oh my issue is content because i didn't know the content for this question but when you sit down and think about how was i supposed to approach it maybe we didn't really need content that we need we didn't know right it was a different way of thinking about the question like you said with that functional fixedness but maybe there were multiple steps in that thinking in that processing and i missed one right, right? and maybe i have a tendency to miss that one step in reasoning across questions and but because i'm you know i'm seeing that each question is kind of different and distinct i don't pick up on that and so that's that's something to keep in mind. Um, there are small things that you can do that can have a pretty big impact. And we were talking about this earlier. The MCAT Judo. I was taking a look, and that it looks like it might be episode eighty-one. Don't yeah. quote me on that. Um, but look in the in the low eighties episodes, and um, it it will have MCAT Judo in the in the title. But it's basically about how we think. That episode is about how we think about questions and and really processing and why we are able to you know, easily eliminate some answers and get to the right conclusion. Um, I think it's really easy for students to, and and I for us to think that timing is our problem. It may be part of the equation, but, and I say this really applies, I think, in, in CARS. Yes, it applies in the sciences, but CARS, it really stands out. Um, if you have all the time in the world and you are still not getting the questions correct, there is something else at play. Uh-huh. right? And so making sure that you have that conversation, whether, you know, I don't know if this person is working with with a tutor or not, but sitting down and having that conversation with someone is important. Also sitting down and having that conversation with yourself is is important and being realistic, right? Yeah. Like, and, and we've talked about this, you know, it's easy to feel like you're bad at one thing and then the numbers tell you it's actually something else. So making sure that, you know, you're studying what you're actually weaker in uh-huh. and not what feels more uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but also not losing hope because there's, there are some reasons why tapping into what you know or processing might be affected when you sit down and do practice exams or practice questions. It um, sounds like the the frequent plateaus that this may not be the case, but for some students and because I know that we also got other questions about this, um, mm-hmm. making sure that like you figure out, okay, am I missing questions that I should have gotten right if I were in a different headspace, right? or if I were, you know, you know, kind of approaching things differently, um making sure that if you have, you know, testing anxiety or you have, you know, another another condition that impacts um, you know, how you're focusing or how you're thinking or things like that. you know we we had questions about ADHD come up um, that you're figuring out, okay, how might that be impacting how I'm doing, but also what can I do about that? Because that can also kind of break through that, that plateau if that's a contributing factor.
0: Yeah. I really love that you mentioned like if timing's an issue, timing might not be the problem, right? Yeah. And like, this is something... Like, if the reason you're struggling with timing is because you're coming up against questions and you're like, you're missing some information that you're supposed to use to solve this. And so this question's taking you way longer to to deal with. Like, the problem is that, like, oh, you just didn't know about insulin. And that's why you missed this question. And that's why your timing got way off. And so this is why it's really useful to talk to a tutor, talk to somebody. And I want to be clear, like, I usually like it takes me a couple of sessions to really get down to the deep nitty gritty of kind of what's going on here, because I can have three students that all miss the same question, but I need to understand kind of, okay, what was your thought process here? What happened in this? And like walking through this. So walking through an exam together with a tutor can be incredibly useful, Um, figuring out, oh, I need to work more on content. Another thing, just to mention this, like slow score increase, um, A lot of times when you start off, like MCAT questions, like you mentioned, are layered, where there's lots of different steps or different pieces of information you need to solve this. And so for one question, you may need to know about neuro and membranes and capacitors and voltages. with like electrostatics. And like those four things at the very beginning of your prep, like let's say you didn't know any of them. You missed that question. Now, let's say you study for three months and... You learned about neuro, you learned about membranes, you learned about capacitors, but you're you still haven't like you still haven't mastered circuits. Turns out you missed that question because you needed all four of those pieces in order to answer that question. Now you know much more than you did before, but you're still gonna miss that question because you're missing that last piece. And that's why the MCAT being so layered can be kind of tricky, right? Figuring out what's the piece that I missed here and how to work on that. But that also means that generally what I see with students um, when they're kind of starting out with those score ranges that this student submitted a question, um, I do tend to see like scores kind of have more of an exponential curve where they increase faster the closer you get to test day because you start to put those last little pieces in and like, oh, learning neuro was like the last or learning circuits was like the last piece that i needed to answer not just this question but those other four questions. And so because everything's kind of layered and mixed and integrated, um having like having mastered half of the content doesn't mean you're going to get half of the questions. Like you'll get like 20% of the questions. And like it's this weird thing that because questions have multiple topics combined into them and multiple skills and multiple steps that like in order to get like 75% of the questions, correct. You have to have mastered like 90% of those things. And then like the last 10% moves you from like 75% of questions, correct to a hundred percent. And so that's also something to notice and be aware of is that I tend to see scores kind of like go up slowly and then start to increase a little bit faster. As long as students are being, are doing a really good job at diagnosing their weak areas and then hitting them. Um, But that is the thing that students need to put in a lot of time and effort into. And I think a lot of times students feel like, oh, it's a waste of time. I don't have time to do this, like, really thorough review. But that's where that growth occurs. So that's also something if if the student doesn't want to meet with a tutor, I want to reemphasize, diagnose your weak areas and then treat them, right? Whether those weak areas are content or strategy or timing. I think having a tutor can really help with those things because they can see and dissect a little bit easier because they this is all they do. Um, but, yeah, so that's something that I would definitely, definitely encourage.
1: Yeah, there's there's so much that we could go into. And I know this this episode has already gone longer, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's really important to sit down and invest that time in understanding um what's going on because brute forcing your way through and just doing more questions if you don't know why you're missing questions is not going to be as effective and efficient right and it's not going to get you as far and so um investing that time is is important and it's worth it even if it's uncomfortable um and then look at what's worked for you in the past right Yes, the MCAT is very different from undergrad, right? But there might be things that you did when you were having difficulty in undergrad that helped move the needle and take a look at those as well, right? Um, It sounds like, you know, a couple of the people that have sent in questions have been at this for a while. And so make sure that you still have the energy to be doing this, because if you burned yourself out and you're still trying to push through yeah, you're going to have even more trouble. So making sure that you're taking stock of where you're at um, and what's reasonable, what's feasible, and that you check in. You know, if if you have historically had difficulty with something in school, check in and make sure that there's not like you were saying, you know, um, you had a student recently recently diagnosed. Um, and just kind of making sure that, OK, do I have everything that I all the information that I need to actually tackle this problem?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, we have so many good questions here. And they're like, there's a bunch more questions. Like, oh, God, I want to go into these. But I do want to share this was our 100th episode, but our two year anniversary is here in just a couple of weeks. So, I think we'd already discussed, like, oh, there's so many questions coming in. So, let's do like another round of this, like, AMA stuff um, for the two year episode, which is coming up shortly. So, if you have not had your question answered and you submitted a question, like, note there's a good chance we will hit that there. But I do want to reiterate, if you guys want to keep submitting questions, mm-hmm. um, we love to hear from you. And so you can always email a question to podcast at jackweston.com. But thank you guys for helping us hit 100 episodes. Um, it's so weird. It does not feel like it's been 100 no. episodes, but it's, not. Um, it's, been, it's been a joy. Thank you guys for uh, for participating
1: yeah and before we head out just kind of leaving you on one thought a string a weakness is a strength you haven't cultivated yet um and it's about progression and not perfection keep pushing you know keep putting in the work that's what's going to get you far